0: Created
1: live on Fireside. We would like to welcome our audiences to a brand new episode of Doing It Sober Live from the Ministry of Sound, or as I call it, my cathedral here in Southern Africa. My name is Chris Nell, and from Ocala, Florida, Daniela Park. And we're excited to announce that we have got a wonderful guest in the form of Please Help Me Write, because I was practicing this today. Azadi Atzberger.
0: Did you, ah, you there she
1: room? is. Hello there, Zadi. Uh, it's it's hi.
2: It's Azade. Think of it like a Azade. Holiday, holiday. Azade. Yes. Forgive Azaday. me for the mispronunciation.
1: I I, have, I often have the I often make the mistake to pronounce words and names phonetically. So Azade. With that said, let's introduce our guest for this afternoon's program. I want you to listen carefully to me, guys and girls, when I say the following. Abuse. The world hears it splashed across online mastheads and news network lower thirds worldwide. In truth, despite all the media attention courtesy of many books, films, TV productions and the like these last seminal amount of years, it comes to mind that audiences really cannot fathom even in the slightest what the lingering effects of abuse may seem like. Have you ever confused that ever-so-still-small voice in your head as perhaps the voice of God? However, it may turn out to be the negatory self-talk that may translate to further harm to the psyche. Let's get Azadeh Atzberger to lend a hand. A two-time best-selling author and consultant, Ms. Atzberger has lent valuable time in helping those whom have burned out from the after-effects of abuse and as such has committed herself to continuous study into the origins of addiction, narcissism, and even spiritual healing. We're proud to have her here. Ms. Adsberger. what a privilege. Make yourself be known.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I like the wording that you use, the burnout and the lingering effects. Um, I wanted, I'm such a root person. I like to get to the root of the cause. I know uh, not everybody 's a fan of seeking the roots, but I want to share with you guys when we're when we are in recovery and we are um, doing everything we 're supposed to there 's going to come a time no matter what you 're recovering from that we have to face ourselves mm-hmm. and we have to face the internal dialogue, and we can either run from it distract it, shut it down, replace it, or we can confront it. And I found in my own journey of recovery, confronting it has become the most powerful, yet I was always so afraid to. So we're looking at childhood abuse. And I'm going to look at some of the roots, where these voices, these thoughts, and these beliefs come from. If we have verbal, Emotional abusive parent, where it looks like nitpicking, criticizing, withholding, punishing, shaming dynamics. As children, we inhale our parents' inner world and we don't do it without a question or a thought. We integrate those messages into, into the echoes of our soul. Mm. And and we, and we, as we grow and become adults, if we don't, at some point, confront and look at these messages, we will build lives and relationships around these echoes.
0: Mm, yeah,
2: and it's tragic that m- some of us will actually. Um, Bow down to these messages and will attract external life based on the affirmation of the internal messages. We also, so that's childhood, a little bit of childhood. We can look at society. If you are sober and you are clean off drugs and alcohol, there was a time that getting sober was not so cool. We were the throwaways of the world. We were treated like garbage. Especially if you were caught.
1: (laughs) If you went to... (laughs) Isn't that the truth?
2: Isn't that the truth? I know getting caught by society, I was treated like, I really like this, and I got this from Mother Teresa, the throwaways of the world. That's how I was treated. So what happens... Is that it parallels with my childhood experience, right? Uh, it parallels to those same messaging. So now I'm I'm getting sober, I'm clean, or I'm I'm addressing codependency, all of those things. We gambling, whatever we have mm-hmm. to at some point, and I believe it is. The natural progression of our recovery to heal relationship with self.
0: Absolutely. You can't run from it. <laughs> you, and I mean, I guess you, and you can't. You probably can't move forward too much either. Because at some point, if you don't address that, you are most likely going to drink or use. I mean, that's that's pretty much what the outcome is. That's why a lot of people, they have trouble with the long-term sobriety because they or recovery because they don't. Deal with it, and they don 't know how
1: mm. yes you think to yourself you're taking two steps forward, but in the meanwhile they're taking more than seven steps backwards
2: yes. <laughs> yes, and it's so subtle too, you know mm. that it's easy to partner with those messages internally and sit and act like everything's great mm. um, and and some in certain twelve step circles, certain not all. They say work harder at helping others, work harder at doing, work harder, work harder. Well, I did. I went through six 12-step programs working all the steps from different angles, and I was still left with the internal messaging that was integrated from my childhood.
1: I can relate to that, certainly.
0: But
1: can I ask you an honest question, Azadeh? Isn't it that we are supposed to also work on ourselves in the sense of that we need to forgive ourselves and to start deprogramming from, and I say deprogramming in inverted commas, of forget what someone else says. What is it that my needs are? What is it that doesn't work for me anymore because of the origin? Does that make sense the way that I'm categorizing it or would you like me to just make it completely different for you?
2: Absolutely, and I, and I appreciate it because I wanted to today at some point, and we're reaching it a little bit sooner, is to address when we see where these messages came from, we have to lay them at their feet, whether it's our parents, society, churches, people, places, things. We lay those messages because they're not ours. We lay yeah. them at their feet. We lay those messages at their feet, and then the work begins of the self-forgiveness, of the self-love. One of my favorite um, quotes that I say to myself, and I say it to others that I work with is, and it's a voice of God. I am loved, valued, and chosen. Even if, even if, even if, and and even if can be whatever. I'm loved, valued, and chosen. And that was not a comfortable message to receive at first. In fact, it felt, it felt um, yucky. It was like, if, if, if you or me, it, the pattern is, if we are neglected and we are loved, not loved, valued, and chosen, it will be even harder to push and break through those walls and receive it on a cellular level. But it does mm. happen, and it's worthy. It's worth the work.
1: Oh, um, absolutely.
2: Some of the other messages that, that sabotaging messages show up is even within our um, development, like writing books or achieving and, and being great and doing beautiful things, is that uh, I, w- I myself was confronted with messages, who do you think you are? How dare you love yourself? And how dare you be
0: autonomous?
2: How dare you be autonomous? How dare you? And, and I will tell you, more often than not, I stayed small so that I didn't have to fight those voices. And then I didn't grow. I surrendered to them because I didn't know how to come out and fight those it was too overwhelming, so then I would go back and be small again,
0: mm.
2: yes and, and it's so there's some grief that needs to take place in there as 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 I believe I have to grieve the old messages in order for the new foundation to be built.
1: Thank you so, for saying that
2: Yes, do you relate mm-hmm. to that, Chris?
1: very much. We had a lady on um, a couple of weeks ago, Danny helped me write, who was, uh, Lisa Romano, who um, also spoke on narcissism. Look, I can tell you my entire history backwards and forwards, but I can say without a shadow of a doubt, everything that you have mentioned, by the way, I was the guy who did that faux uh, queen of the damned trailer that you saw on Instagram. Um, Abuse was my middle name. Growing up, and it was only in adulthood that I began to confront those themes head on. And uh, recovery from addiction and recovery from narcissism, I like the facets of it, but one needs to accept it's two completely different facets. Why do I say that? Mm. Because you spoke about it as beautifully as you can. It's canceling out those messages, those voices that niggle in your mind consistently. Recovery from addiction is inner working physically, emotionally, psychologically. This one is all of that, plus uh, spiritually as well, and it affects not only your self-image, but also your communication with others and confronting a lot of things head-on. It affects the way that you think with regards to decision-making and um, how do you perceive yourself in the company of others of similar stature and the like and uh, it can take a lot of work but i don't want to speak out of turn here and this just came to my mind i found people who i have worked with who have also suffered from narcissism but were just too proud to admit it at the time because you know yourself if you're an, if you're the victim of a narcissist you can often suffer from stockholm syndrome uh that's the way i see it But uh, the people who have suffered from it almost seek an excuse to want to, you know, consistently wallow because they want to hold on to that hurt, because they feel entitled to it, because it was always the other party that hurt them. Instead of, and I said this on the solo podcast today, as a matter of fact, let go. Let go. Don't let go for for that other person. You're not going to invite them over for tea and crumpets. You need to forgive them for you. And if you don't, and you consistently hold on to that bitterness, you're the one that's mucking up your relationships. It's not somebody else's fault. It's yours. So work on it consistently day by day by day. Your thoughts on that, uh, Azadeh?
2: Oh, I thank you for saying the word work on that. I have in my book, Adult Children of Narcissistic Parents, With God We Will Rise and Rebuild. I have a section in there I call forcing forgiveness. I think forgiveness is the goal. Absolutely. However, with narcissistic abuse, and let me just fix that. With narcissistic abuse, the more we grieve, the more self-compaction and protection will arise. So then we become whole and it's easier to forgive.
1: And that okay. was exactly what I wanted to hear you say.
2: Yes, yes. And we, in, in Christianity... In 12-step circles, we are told we have to forgive or else, which is fine. But step nine, forgiveness, can fall easily if you're in a narcissistic abuse, fawning. Fawning can be interpreted as a step nine work while you keep showing up for the abuse and just apologizing all the time and thinking you're in recovery. I've seen that. I've done it. So the grief work, the deep emotional grief work, when that happens, we don't know. But the rainbow on that side, self-compassion and self-protection, so I become whole, and it's easier to let you go.
0: Right. You know, I'm doing some work right now on reprogramming, um, and it's just so interesting how... (laughs) They say we have over 70,000 thoughts a day. I mean, that's a lot of thoughts. Um, And our brains, for instance, you know, if I was abused, I have that picture in my subconscious. So my conscious is always um, reacting in that subconscious experience. And I have to really change my picture of what I want to see or what I just like affirm in a way, um, you know, by creating a new picture to create the new pathways into the brain and rewire because we're so stuck and it's not our fault. It's because it's stuck underneath. We don't even know. Um, there's just so much that you can do, you know, to get out of that, that thinking. And, um, it's just interesting, all of it. There's just so many different ways that you can look at it and think about it.
2: Absolutely. And I, and I high-five you for doing the hard work. This is, this is not for the faint-hearted. To, to, yeah. face, to face messages and messaging is a heroic act. It truly is a heroic act. Um, you know, uh, my brother died four years ago of an overdose, and um, I'm sorry to hear. Thank you, thank you, um, and it changed my life. And I saw how I saw how he stayed in those messages, Daniela, that you and I and Chris are looking at bravely. He decided to conform to those messages rather than fight for them for, the, for what we would think would be good for the sake of love, for the sake of loving someone else, for the sake of being there for someone else, to be the mattress of their, of, of their abuse, to keep showing up in hopes that love will change. And he died because of that. And I have a chapter on him in my book. Because I dedicate mostly my book to him. And so we get to fight the good fight. And, and I think that it's really important to also say there is rainbows and glory permanent on the other side. I've done the grief work. Someone that never wanted to feel a feeling, trust me. <laughs> get, get me out of right here, right now with whatever. Get me out of right here, right now. Yeah. And to do the deep grief work has given me an wor- internal warrior messaging that I admired and was intimidated by others. So mm. to, we are supposed to feel and deal and heal. We're supposed to. Because of the fruits on the other side, um, I want to. I always love um, having people that speak on these topics have a nugget to leave others with that they can practice on their own. And it's and this is one that's actually a very big one if we can stay on it. And the job now with these integrations of this verbal and emotional abuse and neglect that we have adapted as our truth. Mm -hmm. We, if we can start to unblend, and this is from IFS, Family System, we can start to unblend with these messages Mm -hmm. and kind of look at them as how they were protecting us from whatever And to not grow because it's not safe to grow. Well, you shouldn't do this. You should, you know, whatever. We start to unblend from them and then we start and grieve them. And then we start to partner with messages of I'm valued. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm powerful. I get to set boundaries. I choose who to be around. When we start partnering internally with those messages, the old ones will eventually die. I am telling you guys what I before I had my own business, I used to walk around on my breaks and my lunches and fight these voices and we hear it in 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 12 step or recovery um, groups you know communities that that Oh, my thinking. Oh, you know, it's my thinking. I gotta go to a meeting. I, well, those are great things, but at some point, I, I can't be running to people to to help me and soothe me all the time. At some point, I need to be able to fight for me and stand for me. Mm-hmm. So the integrate. So when I partner with God, messages that I'm loved, valued, and chosen even if I make mistakes, even if I'm wrong, even if, even if, and I start confronting those messages, getting power over them on the inside, they start to become less powerful in my life. They don't show up as much. They do fall away. That's the promise. It's not always forever. At first, it is because they're going to think of it like this. These sabotaging voices want to fight for themselves to to live because that's evolution. That's what our parents taught us. That's what we're supposed to do. But when we reverse and confront and do the hard work on the inside, which is partner with God's truth, Mm. then we start really having some really cool breakthroughs. With ourselves, oh yeah, <laughs> with ourselves, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, and so when we have messages that we shouldn't, we shouldn't stand up for ourselves. We shouldn't have boundaries. Um, or, or let me say this one: even in friendship circles, even myself, and I've seen others do this, is when people give you compliments immediately dismissing it and saying oh no no but I'm this this and this we <laughs> are sabotaging our um autonomy our our powerfulness if that's a word you know and, and so so it's how we show up that we teach people how to treat us it sabotages relationships because oh, yes. I'm showing up less than you I'm showing up less than you I can't receive you I can't Receive the goodness in me, and um, I just, I just love this work. Um, and you know, because I've seen, I've seen the results. I've seen myself. I've seen who I've become by partnering with God's voices, saying, and and you know, it's my voice now and God's voice. Rather, before it was the saboteur and my parents, right? Now it's like me is the loving parent, and I got that from ACA, Adult Child of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Homes, and God's voice. Trust me. I protect you. I love you. I will nurture you. Mm-hmm. I will show opportunities to meet Daniela and Chris. It will happen. But I have to believe me, and if I'm still running in self-sabotaging voices, I'm not going to reach out. I'm going to look at Daniela or Chris, I'm going to say, oh, they're not going to want me. They're not going to want me. You know? Mm-hmm. Rather, hey, here's me. Let's connect. Let's do something fun. It's sure.
0: life-changing just like that. Yes, I agree.
1: If I gonna ask, you know, As I did, oh, Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. No, 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 Daniela, ladies first.
0: Oh, Chris. Um, you know, what's interesting is there's so much work to be done. So when you start making those positive changes and you're more, you know, you're connected with God and you're aligning more with what your future looks like in your head and the old people are coming in, like the people that are around all the time and they're not changing. So it's, uh, it's, what do you do now type of deal? Um, You know, there's so many different learning possibilities going on there. And it's, it's been challenging because there's a clear shining image in front of me. That's like, no, (laughs) 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 I'm trying to get away from this, but but you can't, you know, you can't, there's, I mean, you have to learn how to set the boundaries, but there's just, there's so much work to be done, but if you're going to go. The mile, you might as well go the extra mile because you have to deal with these people, and they can easily get into that beautiful place that you're in, and can get you all turned around again.
2: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. you make a very good point, Daniela. There's risk in healing. There's (laughs) risk. There's risk in growing to the place to our highest place. People will fall off. People will be angry. I've had it. I've had it. People, certain friends, certain circles, you will no longer be attracted to. There's a grief, a risk, and a grief in growing. Um, but the but the beautiful thing is is that I've walked through that as I continue to, and um, I just think I got to live with me twenty four seven. And I and I gotta be right with me and God, my best friend. And at first it was I saw myself flip in and out of old behavior, new behavior, old behavior, new behavior. And and I could see it like I was awakened, like the work you're doing, Daniela. I was awakened to my subtle little behaviors and reactions and triggers. And I would see myself all of a sudden jump into people pleasing. It was like what button was just push.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As if it were to happen almost by instinct.
2: By instinct. And you know, then I then I would I would have to partner with because I would get frustrated. Then the perfectionist would kick in. You're not doing it right. Oh, you know, God. It, yeah. it's it's like a it's like, yeah, it remi- you know what it reminds me of? You know when people are in a um, – this is kind of a funny analogy, but it makes sense to me. You know when people are locked up in a straitjacket and they're in a white room that's just bouncing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: <laughs> You're bouncing from one wall to another. Oh, no. And that's, right <laughs> way out. that's right <laughs> way out. And so, yeah, there's um, – <laughs> it's definitely – I think you said it, Chris – 12 steps forward, six back, two forward. Healing is messy. It's messy. It's it's just not A, B, C, D. And it's not. In fact, today, before before you guys, I had to sit with myself right before you guys because I made some um, work timing uh, mistakes and it put a few people out. And I thought I'm... Loved, valued, and chosen. <laughs> yes. i loved, valued, and chosen. You know? Be- but before I would partner what I think they would think of me. Right. Do you see what right. I'm saying? And then I would get yeah. sick. I would get sick. True.
1: Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. I've had that experience myself. Yes. Whereabouts did your study in recovery from narcissism start? And this is a two pronged question. And if you have answered the second part, just. Scrap it, but how does one concern between a negatory voice, or uh, for a more formal term, the voices in one's head, versus a God voice?
2: Yeah, that's 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 a good question. God, when we at first learn the character of God, we learn that any God. Now, I'm Christian, but any God, if you think about it. Is love, forgiveness, kindness, mm. patience, empathy. When though anything that doesn't realm around those those um, voices, then it's not of God. It's not of God, and and also here's the one that that is a big one is God, My God will correct and confront me. And I know the voice. It's not an attack. It's a correction that comes from love. It comes with you see what I'm saying? Whereas before it was like, what are you doing? I can't believe you did. Why would you do that? You know better. What I think you didn't grow. You think you're in recovery. No, you're not. You know, it just would go on and on. But God says make this correction and let's move on because you're still love valued. chosen.
1: I love that. And uh, to repeat myself, whereabouts did your studies in narcissism start and recovering from that?
2: Yeah, very good question. I was, so I'm 51 now. I was 38 years old and I went to a therapist and I was struggling in my relationships with my parents and Some other people in my life, and she literally got down in her chair and looked at me straight and said, Azadeh, you were raised in a narcissistic family dynamic. I'm like, What is that? What does that mean? So, I started to do the research. I spent um, that's when I started going to Al Anon and working with a therapist, and then I started going to ACA and I started to really research and study my patterns. And, my, and, and it was more about, I studied the dynamic of the home, but it was a lot more about my reactivity and my reactions to certain yeah. people, yeah. which I believe our soul, our God-centeredness tells us. And if we don't heal that, we will be attracted. So then I started taking classes, then I did more research, I started working with professionals, my own therapist. Doing EMDR, doing all kinds of um, trauma work, and mm. and I here's what happened: is the the shift happened with, with um, going from cognitive dissonance of one version of my world versus the truth version, and that's when I did the healing. But I also did um, just recently, I did a twelve week um, gaslight narcissist gaslighting treatment training on. S-E-P-E-S-I is a uh, program that for therapists I'm not a therapist I'm a spiritual counselor and a life coach and an author but I take a lot of certifications from there and they really teach how to work with the treatment mm-hmm. and you 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 know you naturally gravitate to the principles yourself yeah. but Alan mm-hmm. a big has been a big part of my recovery if we're going to talk 12 step
0: can i ask you um i understand that your husband also is on the same journey right
2: yes yes he is my yes daniela thank you he's my um oh god recovery helps when you have a husband i know you do Danielle. (laughs) it's so it's like jackpot my husband is not a drug a recovering drug addict alcoholic like myself. He will celebrate twenty-three years of Al-Anon codependency this month. And he
1: also nice. has I know. Congratulations.
2: Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. I will definitely post it so you guys could see him. He's you know, you guys, everything all the healing and the growth I've had was a result of my love unconditional safety home with my husband. He was an Al-Anon member 10 years prior to us meeting, and he oh eskimo me into, into this new awareness of childhood trauma and, um, and so on. But he is a huge part of my recovery just for one simple fact that there's unconditional love and safety and a sharing of recovery with each other. I've grown so much being married, and some people would be like, "No, it's not your yeah." When you're safe and loved, no matter what, you grow. You grow. It's like flowers in the sun. You grow. Mm. I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Danny, I had a two-pronged question, so you can get another one.
0: <laughs> so you're a twelve-step specialist as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you incorporate that in your life as much? Cause there are so many aspects of the 12 steps that can really put us into that growing that we need, especially in the beginning to get rid of those harsh um, character defects and uh, resentments and things that we can possibly take a drink from or a drug. Um, obviously after that, you'll come up to uh the red light and it won't turn green because your stuff that didn't come up before is now coming up. And you're having, uh, so the 12 steps, you know, have been great for me. I've, I've just, they've been absolutely amazing and then constantly doing them with sponsees is also great because it's like redoing them over and over and over. And there is something about sitting with another person and having them read that ninth step to you. And it is magical. And I've done it, I feel like probably over a hundred times. And um it is it something that you still use obviously in your life, or do you use that in your teachings and, and life coach sessions and stuff like that? Is it still part of your life?
2: Absolutely. I um Alcoholics Anonymous was my foundation and my home and my family that I didn't have. And nice. um I'm still a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. My girlfriends that I've known over, you know, 20 years are members. I attend. Yes, I attend. I still practice. I sponsor only two people because now a lot of my work is about helping sober women rise to their worth and their potential and their healing to the next level. So I'll work with ACA or Al-Anon or, you know, but I, I, it's still a part of my life. It's not all my life anymore. Now there's so much other things oh. that I do. But I definitely, I go to a, um adult-focused Al-Anon meeting Wednesday nights. You guys ever want to come, let me know. I'll send you the Zoom link. I go to an ACA, Awakening Loving Parent, Sundays with my husband. And Fridays, I go to AAA where I connect with the ladies. So I'm very, I still, it's still, it's, it's, it's my, um, it is my foundation. It is my foundation. Yes.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I love every single minute of it. <laughs> Me too. It's amazing. You have what you thought were friends that once you get sober, there is nobody there because they never really were, were true friends. And then right. you get into these rooms and you have friends for life. I moved to Florida mm. and I still have my hundreds and hundreds of friends back in california that i got sober with that i interact with all the time social media it's just such a neat thing now yes. you wrote two books right yes yes i
2: did about um two books absolutely my first one <laughs> is 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 called using food to cope with codependency mm. going underground mm. with christ jesus this was my spiritual, my next level of spiritual awakening. And um, I, you know, I, I, I got off the drugs and the alcohol and went to food hard and fast and didn't know that I had an untreated codependent part of me in, underneath. And so um, I used food like I did alcohol and drugs. And that... Writing is about God breaking down those strongholds, breaking down that um um breaking down the, the food so that he could get into the codependency. Mm. And, and, um yeah, and it was very powerful. I uh wept during the day and wrote at night. And um yeah. It was but it was beautiful but it was beautiful it was literally um it happened right after my brother died i wrote it just four three years ago now and then um so a lot of grief and pain during the day of letting go of the childhood friend the counterfeit mother which was food and um breaking down counterfeit mother yeah because i ate as a child Heavily, I binged. I it, food was, was my comforter, and I thank God for the food because it helped me survive and cope. But as an adult, it was not working, it was, it was a problem, a big problem that was robbing my life. Yeah. And then, um, so I started doing the codependent work, which was very painful, sober, and and but again, good results. And then, my my recent book is adult child of narcissistic parents with God we will rise and rebuild and I want to tell you there's a little recovery program in there so you don't have to have parents you could have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or or a boss you can incorporate that little recovery program in there at home or you know in your day in and day out or if you can't afford therapy it's a start it's not definitely all of it, but it's a good way to determine if you are. I actually call it um, recycling and repeating um, um, recycling and repeating painful relationships versus uh, recovery in relationships. So what does it look like mm-hmm. in relationships? So you can compare and contrast what side you're on and how do you get from that side to this side.
0: Ooh, I love that. complicated, isn't it?:
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just you know what, though? Daniela. Having a sponsor in AA that would make me read and write the big book daily. She would have me write three pages to five pages, read and write it, and report it to her daily got me into seeing how much I love to read and write. It started with the big book.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you guys. AA is the gift that keeps giving. It, it is. Does, it does,
1: doesn't it? Is.
0: It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, right? Right.
1: Well, as yes. the promises say, all of these are abounding if we work for it. Yes, that's right. Another thing I wanted to ask, um Azadeh, is that when you do your counselling, where it must be counsel- when you do your counselling with women, it must be really. Can I use the word romantic feeling when they start talking about where they feel? insecure and you give them the tools, I'm sure it must be an emotional experience for the both of you to Mm. ultimately uh, be together in a a position of you have been in the space that you have and now you're counseling another who has had the same emotional imbalance because of years and years and years of abuse and maybe just for the first time seeing that, that woman smile, it must just bring a tear to your eye, doesn't it?
2: I love the word you used, and I never thought of it. Romantic. It's like intimacy. It's a form of intimacy that happens. I love what I do. And, um, yes, hmm. I love watching people's eyes just like I did when I worked the 12 steps with them. Now in this realm. Because I work with couples, too. I do couples counseling, too.
1: Oh, okay. So it's not just women.
2: Well, Chris I and I need some help, <laughs> <can do> <laughs> This is what I do all day long, and I love it. I love it absolutely. I I, I help create. Thanks for the
1: vote of confidence, Danny. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, my husband and I went through it ourselves. We had struggles in the beginning. We needed help outside help to get us to get us help us to keep the intimacy nurtured and growing in our relationship. Because after a while, you know marriage is a beautiful thing and we think it's 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 the sprinkle of love in all of our affairs however it reveals our brokenness and we will reveal our brokenness in a marriage more than we do anybody else so what do we do now um profound it is yeah and so um to so i yeah so i i work with couples and just like my husband and i we had a season, a few seasons that we needed outside help to learn how to have the intimacy going in our lives. And, and and it's really cool cuz we're both willing. Now it would be different in a couple with one is willing the other one's not. And I do work with people that are currently in narcissistic relationships, help them navigate their way out or their way as long as, because I, I can never say leave, because with this kind of a dynamic, the first thing they'll think right after is, no, I won't, you know, so it's about <laughs> learning, it, it, for me, it's, uh, <laughs> it's all about teaching them what they deserve, and their value, and their worth, and their boundaries, and how, you know, that kind of a thing. But yes, Chris, I love what I do. It's just growing. A lot of women I work with are sober women that want to go to the next level. And whatever that is, whatever whatever that next level is for them. And, um, yeah, I just, and um, God's blessed me with couples now to work with. And I use redemptive That's principles true. with couples counseling. Because I'm a spiritual, I'm church counseling trained. So I work with. I work with redemptive principles of love and forgiveness and intimacy and selflessness. I work with those principles to create, to keep the relationship going. Because a lot of times we, I I notice in couples, it's common for a lot of us is that we just go on with life. We've been married a while. We just go, 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 go. And it's easy to neglect the marriage where it really needs to be nurtured and time needs to be taken.
1: Can I make another comment, Danny? Yes, sir. You know what I love about what I hear? You remind me of a comment that was made one time by Alice Cooper who said, when you enter marriage, with after the phase of puppy love, you know, you find the gal, you find the guy. It's this instant attraction. It becomes a sort of a lady and the tramp love story until the moment that you stick the ring on the finger, till death do us part, I do, blah, blah, blah. And then after the honeymoon phase, then it becomes this mundane, modern family-esque sort of episode. But what about just making that mind switch to ultimately just saying, you know what, even though I promise till death do us part, I'm still going to chase my wife and treat her like my girlfriend. I'm still going to chase my husband and I'm going to treat him like my boyfriend. I'm still going to... Take my uh, my girlfriend, my boyfriend out on a date Friday night, even if it's to the movies or uh, we're going to go away for the weekend or uh, go fishing by the lake. Still put in that effort. Have fun, for goodness sake. Is that something also you teach with couples counseling?
2: Yes, I encourage date nights of emotional, mental, physical intimacy. I enc- I, I, yes, I encourage that. Time needs to be... Taken out for date night to do those things. Absolutely. I do them. We need to. The relationships need to be nurtured. It is work. It is work and it needs to be nurtured both ends. Yes.
1: Yes. I need to get you here to South Africa to come talk to a conglomerate of churches. You've got that idea all ask backwards.
2: Excuse oh, me. I Listen, you'll find more dysfunction in churches than anywhere else. It, the- <laughs>
1: Don't get me started.
2: <laughs> I, <know. laughs> you know, I, I love the look on their faces when I tell them I came to Christ.
0: <laughs> you know,
2: it was a detox. Mercy, God, Jesus, help me. You know, and that's the gift of desperation that we talk about, right? Sure, but.
1: absolutely. Danny, your turn. I'm talking too much.
0: No, not at all. I uh, I just. You know, when you start the work, let's say a couple comes to you and they're at that point where things are, they're not acting like they're in the honeymoon phase. It's everyday life. They do a lot of fun things together that they enjoy themselves, of course, but there's childhood trauma on one end that happened. And I think it's, you know, it's not being dealt with. Then there's the other side where, you know. I need this, I need, it. there's, I mean, that, how long does something like that take if two are willing? I mean, does is this something that you see a lot of people have a good success rate if they're willing?
2: Yeah, that's a really, if they're both willing, yes, and surrendering, constantly surrendering to love in their heart. Absolutely. And it's interesting you say that because I do hear how their trauma has has tweaked the perspective of what's really happening versus what's really happening.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm mm. saying?
2: And it's, and it's not uncommon. One of my favorite phrases is our past will hijack our present. Mm-hmm. And so I do, what I do is I do work with them individually first. I get their story and I get their marriage story and then I bring them in. I bring them in.
0: There go. Yeah, that's smart. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that? I missed it. That's great. That sounds really like it would be a smart thing to do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and they have, and I do give them accountability of writing, of writing, um, because I I think writing, obviously, is (laughs) so powerful. They will have writing assignments and journal prompts and confessions and um, and so forth. But yeah, it's, it you know, here's the deal, Daniela. It's more the work they do than what I do. I mean it. If they are nice. both new, If there it's just like sobriety. If you really want it and you want the marriage to work, your mind will start looking at things and how you can you can just let it go, forgive, love, be selfless, yeah. you know, have compassion. What I, one thing I do teach though is that to For couples, for them to be able to see through their loved ones' anger or voice that it's really maybe they're not being heard or seen, or maybe maybe, so I try and go underneath so then I can incorporate compassion for one another rather because it's so easy to go. What are you yelling at? Right. Well, Mm. maybe is it because maybe she didn't feel protected by you when you left or did this. Is it because maybe she just wants to be seen and heard, and she's not? Right. You know, so, so I try and go below the external reactivity.
1: And not many people can do that, because the moment that you should peer into that, immediately the other party can become defensive. So it's a, dare I say, almost a talent that one should have, and you're clearly blessed with that assignment.
2: Yes, thank you. Yes, it is. It is a challenge to get them. Here's the here's where the challenge for me is is that to get them and let them let their conscious speak to them and then create room for God to get in. Can't be just you know I'm not enough. I'm not enough. There needs to be their own work and letting God in. Love so it. so I have to I have to discipline myself to. I do the guidance, I do the writing and give them the homework. And then I, I do pray for them. I pray for all my clients. And then I hope and I pray for God to speak to their conscience about the truth. And then I guide them a little bit. It's a very delicate, marriage is delicate. So it, it needs a lot of prayer and a lot of space given for God to speak to their minds. That's my whole goal, is for their conscience to speak and, and let them.
0: The spiritual solution. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you so much for coming on the show. You I when I saw you on Instagram a while back, I thought she's shiny and she's got a lot of good info and
1: It's that smile.
0: And you reached out and I just I was like, Wow. She's really uh, got it going on. So I just thought you'd be a great guest and you've really been such an interesting person to talk to. And thank you for, for coming on with us today. We'd love to have maybe you and your husband come on to talk about couples. I think that would be
2: fantastic. I think that's a great idea. And thank you so much, Chris and Daniela, both of you. This is so much fun. And this is so, um, such a gift. Be able to be here and be able to share with you guys recovery and ideas. My gosh, and just to think I used to have to clock in and clock out at a job at one day. We laugh, we grow, we connect, and we let others hear our, you know, our transformation, our testimony. So thank you for having me and
1: my hubby, I'll sign him up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> A tremendous thanks again to our guest Azadeh Atzberger, for appearing on the show. If you missed out the live stream, rest assured this will be available on demand on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. Until we see you again next week. This has been Doing It Sober Live. Be blessed. Bye bye. Look after God yourselves. Bless.